The Ostomy Nurse Project. Hello everybody and welcome back to this latest episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project. As mentioned as usual, I'm your Ostomy Nurse Felicity and today I'm going to be addressing a very important topic that keeps coming up on a lot of online forums and that is what is all the banter about my lanta? For those of you who aren't aware, there's anecdotal evidence that dabbing a little bit of my lanta on your peristomal skin irritations has benefits and can help to very quickly heal up that area. So today I'm going to be talking about what exactly is my lanta and what are the active ingredients in it that provides people with some of the soothing properties that they describe when they use it as a topical uh, application around their stoma irritations. And I'm not actually here to discourage anybody from using something like that because there's no clinical evidence to currently suggest that it does any damage to the skin when you use it around peristomal irritations. But I do want to point out to people that um, these treatments are anecdotal. And sometimes if you are having peristomal skin problems and irritations around your stoma, it's always good to seek advice from your stomal therapy nurse because there are products and other treatments out there that may be able to resolve the issue that you might be having. So first of all, what is Mylanta? Mylanta is a brand of over-the-counter drug in the form of a solution that you drink and it is sold under the group of antacids for digestive problems. And Mylanta is manufactured by a division of Johnson & Johnson, which is formerly the company Pfizer. And it includes several different products in it that are intended to treat symptoms of things like heartburn, indigestion, bloating and um, gastric reflux. Now the active ingredients, the active part of Mylanta includes three things and they are aluminium hydroxide, magnesium hydroxide and cymethicone. Other non-active ingredients that they put in Mylanta include benzyl alcohol, um, cellulose, water, sodium carbonate, sodium carboxymethylcellulose, which is CMCs, and we talk about that in the podcast about uh, what's in a hydrocolloid and your seals. They also contain sorbitol, sucralose, and a bit of xanthan gum. So all those non-active ingredients are what gives Mylanta its sort of thick, sweet, syrupy consistency um, with that minty freshness because they add that flavor into it to make it a bit more palatable for those who are taking it in. Now, it's not the non-active ingredients that I want to address here, but I do want to talk about the three active ingredients that I just mentioned, which is aluminium, magnesium, and cymethicone, and how their interactions with the skin surface can help to provide the relief of those symptoms that I spoke about just before. So for anybody listening from overseas, I'm talking about Mylanta here, but Mylanta is the brand name of the aluminium magnesium hydroxide mixture. It does go under some other names. Other names are Gaviscon, you might also know it as, uh, Gelucil, Marlox, Mylanta of course, Wingel, um, but the old school name you might have heard it initially referred to when it was first created would have been milk of magnesia um, the ingredients of which have since been changed as time has gone by so the original milk of magnesia um, is not what we know today as mylanta so the three main ingredients that i just mentioned aluminium magnesium and cymethicone are really the active ingredients in these suspensions that come across all different brands these days. Perhaps slightly different active ingredients depending on what other symptoms they want to treat. 
but for the most part, they are the main ingredients. So let's get down to business. And before I start talking about the potential effects of applying myelanta topically to the skin, you've got to understand a little bit about absorption and how the skin takes on certain ingredients and how these ingredients react with the surface of the skin and its properties. Now, there are some incidences where topical magnesium has been beneficial for the skin, and there is documented research on the effect of topically applied magnesium and its effect on human blood chemistry. So there's evidence to suggest that the absorption of magnesium into the skin does actually have some benefits. And these research uh, papers are slightly different to when I'm talking about putting myelanta on the skin, but I think it's important to discuss the way that skin absorbs and the way that the body reacts to having topical ingredients applied to them. There's three suggested methods of penetration of chemicals through the skin. One is intracellular skin absorption, which occurs between the cells of the skin layers, uh, which is the outermost layer of the skin. There is transcellular skin absorption, so from uh, one cell to another, where substances actually pass through the skin cells themselves into another one. And the third one is skin absorption through the follicles and glands, which is also referred to as appendageal absorption, which may also mean that absorption happens through the pathways in between skin cells, so your glands, your sebaceous glands, where your hair follicles sit. So in the past, there was a study under the work of Dr. Norman Shealy, who was founder of the American Holistic Medical Association. And he did a study where participants had a 20-minute foot soak in magnesium flakes, in addition to spraying magnesium oil on their bodies. And the results of that showed that a large percentage of those participants actually showed a significant increase in their cellular levels of magnesium. So that's one study that suggests that chemicals like magnesium can be absorbed into the skin when applied topically. And the reason I want to bring that up to you is because when we're talking about putting myelanta on your skin, we're only talking about minuscule amounts. But no matter what amount you're putting on your skin, you will have an appliance over the top. So there will be some sort of microscopic action between the myelanta that comes in contact with your skin cells and the effect that the magnesium and the aluminium will have in its surrounding environment. So let's talk about the first ingredient, and that's aluminium hydroxide. Now, I do want to uh, make you all aware that I'm talking about aluminium hydroxide as the active ingredient in Mylanta, and there are lots of different ways of producing aluminium. You can also have things like aluminium chloride, aluminium chlorohydrate, and also, get this one, I've practiced pronouncing this, aluminium zirconium tetrachlorohydroxyglycine. And those types of aluminium are the ones that constantly get brought up in discussions about aluminium toxicity and the compounds of aluminium that are not good for your skin. But today I'm talking about aluminium hydroxide, which is actually put into my lanta as a means of neutralizing the acidity of stomach acid and is considered very safe, uh, particularly for ingesting that material. So I'm not talking about the aluminium that they put in vaccines and in deodorants. I'm talking about the very safe, effectively used version of aluminium that doesn't have any major side effects in the human body, aside from some constipation, which I'm going to talk to you about in just a second. 
Now it's quite possible that using aluminium hydroxide that's in Mylanta topically on your skin has the similar effect to antiperspirant deodorants. It does actually block sweat and sebaceous glands. So for some people who do get some benefit from using Mylanta, there may or may not be some link between the uh, mechanism of action of aluminium when it's applied topically to the skin. But more research would always be needed to confirm that. So aluminium in Mylanta is used as an antacid and when people ingest that it actually changes the acidity of the stomach juices which gives people that relief, that soothing relief. Now unfortunately one of the side effects of taking aluminium internally is constipation. Aluminium hydroxide binds you up on the inside and it actually slows bowel motility. So when they make something like Mylanta they have to add another ingredient that's going to counterbalance that and create like a laxative effect to neutralize the aluminium and that's where magnesium hydroxide comes in. Now it's the magnesium in Mylanta, the magnesium hydroxide, that actually gives Mylanta its white milky appearance. And interestingly enough, magnesium hydroxide, whilst used as a component of antacids, is also a common active ingredient in many laxatives. So there's your counterbalancing effect. We have aluminium hydroxide, which is an antacid but can constipate you. And then we have magnesium hydroxide, which is also an antacid, but with a laxative effect. So the two equal each other out. Um, interestingly, only a small amount of magnesium from the magnesium hydroxide is actually absorbed in the intestines. So uh, that's where a lot of it just passes through um, and creates that laxative effect because it draws in water to the feces. Now the final ingredient in Mylanta, the active ingredient cymethicone, doesn't actually have a lot to do with the skin. It's used to break up the gas bubbles in the gut, which can cause uh, belching and bloating in the gut when people have gastric reflux, and it reduces the surface tension and, and gets rid of all those gassy bubbles in the gastric juices, and that's how people get a benefit from using that. But it doesn't actually apply to anything using topically on the skin. Okay, so focusing in on the aluminium and magnesium side of Mylanta, I need to take you all back to high school and give you a basic science lesson on pH. So pH, we are talking about either acidity or alkaline nature of our skin. So starting with acidity, if we look at the pH scale, the pH scale ranges from 0 to 14. And at the very bottom of the scale, starting from 0, we have everything that is acidic. So these are things like vinegar, battery acid, obviously, lemon juice. Lemon juice is acidic. Citric acid, hence the name. Even gastric juices are made from hydrochloric acid. And the pH of gastric acid in our stomachs is between 1.5 and 3.5. So they're the acidic ends of the scale. On the opposite end of the scale, heading up to level 14, is what we call alkali or basic. So you have acids and bases in our basic science lesson. Anything that is basic are things like household bleach. Does it surprise you guys that household bleach is actually alkali? I always thought it was acidic because it cleans so well. But the base ingredient of household bleach is sodium hypochloride, which is alkaline. Here you go. Science lesson done for today. 
So we have our acids at the end down towards level zero and we have our alkali or basic uh, things which are up to level 14. Now there's two things that I want to point out to you now. One, the skin surface has what we call an acid mantle. The skin is not a neutral pH. The skin is actually quite acidic. It sits around about 4.5 to 5.5 and it does this as a protective mechanism against things like fungus and bacteria. Bacteria don't like to live in, in acidic environments. So the skin is very adept at protecting itself by creating a slightly acidic nature to it. It prevents the flora from becoming contaminated with bugs. Gosh, we're clever. Now, the other thing I want to point out to you, which you're going to find interesting, is that milk of magnesia or mylanta, which contains aluminium and magnesium, is basic. So it is the opposite of the skin's pH. And magnesium and aluminium concoctions, so things like mylanta, actually have an overall pH of about 10.5, which is actually really interesting. It's astonishingly high when you think about applying it topically to the skin. And when you apply something that is basic to a surface that is of an acidic nature, you're going to be cancelling out that balanced pH, which can create a whole plethora of issues if you use these ingredients long term on the skin. And so this is where we start to come into the discussion about applying mylanta topically to peristomal skin irritations. Because when the skin is at a basic pH, so when it's out of whack and not sitting at about 4.5 to 5.5, all kinds of problems related to the skin can actually occur. And these are things like contact dermatitis, increased acne, because the uh, acidic nature um, of the skin allows for bacteria proliferation so you can grow bacteria if the pH is not acidic enough and lots of other skin troubles as well. So this is where the caution comes in when using mylanta because any alkali substance that you continuously apply to the skin will actually strip that acid mantle from the skin and allow bacteria to enter and grow which can cause infections, it can cause fungus to grow around the area and, and anybody who's had a stoma who's had perhaps some yeast or some thrush around their stoma would know that if that is allowed to continue and proliferate you can end up having a lot of trouble getting your ostomy appliances to stick properly. So one of the theories that comes up when um, using mylanta to treat skin problems is if we go back to the fact that we're using aluminium topically on the skin because that's an ingredient in mylanta the theory is that aluminium could block the sebaceous glands or the sweat glands around the skin near your stoma. So if you have got peristomal skin irritation, applying a substance that contains aluminium may help to give you that drying effect, similar a little bit to what antiperspirant deodorant does. And so some people might find that they get that sort of sense of relief in drying up that red, sore, weepy skin um, through applying mylanta topically. 
And a similar theory kind of relates to the same thing, but in using alkali substances on skin that is irritated and acidic, um, that can create a drying out effect. If you're stripping that acid mantle from the skin constantly, when it sits there weeping, the alkali or basic nature can help to dry out that area. And so people often anecdotally find or say commonly, even on the forums, I applied my lantern to that skin and it dried up really, really quickly. Now, one more theory that does come up is the fact that if you have got peristomal skin irritation, it is likely due to the fact that your skin's probably coming into contact with either fecal effluent or urine. And both fecal output and urine output are also acidic. So we have uric acid in our urine, uh, as well as moisture, which can damage the skin. And in fecal output, we've still got obviously some of that acidic nature, particularly with an ileostomy, um, because we've still got remnants of the hydrochloric acid in the fecal output from digestion. And if you are a person who has been using Mylanta to treat that skin irritation, you might find that you get a soothing effect particularly when you go to put a bag on and it comes into contact with fecal or urinary output again. Because if you've got remnants of that basic or alkali mylanta sitting on your skin, when it comes into contact with acidic contents like feces or urine, there will be a very small element of neutralization. So some people might find they get the sensation of a soothing feeling or it might take longer for that irritation effect to occur because they've got alkali remnants already topically applied to their skin. So that's another theory as to why people may find that applying Mylanta gives them a soothing effect on any areas of skin irritation. So they're probably the two main theories as to where this anecdotal use of Mylanta has come about in that aluminium might block the pores uh, and prevent further exudate from occurring and the fact that the magnesium and the basic nature of the ingredients might help to dry out uh, that skin in general and any residual uh, Mylanta that's left on the skin may neutralize any future contact short term with fecal or urinary content. So prolonged use of Mylanta topically on the skin may in fact have some detrimental effects. It obviously depends on how much you're using and how frequently you're using it. Ideally, if you do have peristomal skin problems, we would assume that that area will heal up well underneath your ostomy appliance, provided that you keep fecal matter and moisture away from that area, which is probably what's causing an element of that skin damage in the first place. So this is where we all come back to the basics of stoma care when you're changing your appliances. Make sure that you're getting a secure fit around your stoma and that your sizing is correct. Make sure that you are changing your ostomy appliances frequently enough. Sometimes that's an issue. If you're not changing frequently enough, the hydrocolloid is not capable of absorbing enough moisture and it's eventually coming into contact with the skin and causing that peristomal skin damage. And I always say to people, it's important to be proactive in your stoma care rather than reactive and treat 
existing skin conditions. And by doing that, if you are looking after your skin underneath your stoma appliance, making sure that it stays healthy and moist and at the correct pH level, it will interact much better with the ingredients in the ostomy appliance and it will allow your skin to breathe and remain healthy. So you will avoid having symptoms such as itching, burning, dryness, and uh, stinging from a breakdown of the surface layer of the skin underneath the appliance. Now, if you are a person who has been using Mylanta and getting great benefits from it, then great. There's no evidence to suggest that short-term use of Mylanta is going to cause any significant damage to your skin. But it is always important, as I reiterate, to actually treat the source of that irritation in the first place. And Mylanta is not necessarily the primary go-to topical treatment of choice for that type of irritation. Now, ultimately, if you are not sure what is causing your problem and what's causing your skin irritations, please get in contact with a stomal therapy nurse who might be able to guide you in the right direction and make sure that the appliance and accessories that you are using are suitable in treating those conditions. Because without seeing the stoma irritation, some conditions may not respond to topical myelanta at all conditions like thrush, as I mentioned before, peristomal infections where the bacteria has gotten out of hand, and that can be quite serious if you don't receive proper antibiotic treatment. So it's always important if you don't have access to a stoma nurse, get in touch with your GP or your specialist who might be able to guide you in the right direction. Don't just try and fight all these skin irritations with medicine that's designed to treat gastric reflux and gas and bloating. So that's pretty much it. We've discussed all the banter about Mylanta. Hopefully you've learned a little bit of something. If you are a person who is using Mylanta to treat peristomal skin issues and it's not going away, get in touch with a stoma nurse. If you're getting good benefits from Mylanta, hey, keep going. I'm not here to tell you otherwise because I can't see your stoma. If you like the content in this episode, please subscribe and listen to other episodes under the Oztomy Nurse Project. We're available under Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our YouTube channel under the same name, the Oztomy Nurse Project, O-Z-T-O-M-Y, where we bring to you all different episodes covering everything to do with life with a stoma. If you feel so inclined, you're welcome to leave a review on iTunes under the comments section. And if you have any suggestions on things that you might like me to talk about, please send them through. I do advise in most of my podcasts, please don't email me or contact me with requests for treatment for peristomal skin issues. For that, you need to contact your stomal therapy nurse. Tune in next time for another great episode of the Oztomy Nurse Project. I'm Felicity and we are coming to you from down under because that's where your stoma is. Take care, guys. Bye.